Check it out with EVPO. A podcast by your local library. I'm Lori. And I'm Ryan. And today we're joined with local author Kyle Darnell. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So you are a Evansville native or... No, okay. no, no. I'm I'm from California. Okay. I'm from San Diego specifically. Moved to Missouri for a while, gone to college in different places. Um, yeah, not from here at all. <laughs> Started off on the wrong track already. <laughs> about how long have you been in town? I've been here for about eight years. Okay. I mean, that's, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough to know. Yeah. I mean, I think by your book that you know the Evansville culture well enough that you at least get our sense of humor. Well, yeah, I will say, I think being non-native helps me appreciate how strange this place is. <laughs> um, I've lived, lived in a lot of places. Uh, this one is weird. Like, <laughs> not in a negative way, but there's like there's a reason I'm still here. The weirdness of this city is amazing. It kind of draws you in, and I think that's why I had to like write a collection of short stories about like horror situations in this town, because I was like, I want to write something about this city, but it's too weird to write a normal thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and I've, I've worked a few different jobs here. I've seen a lot of sides of the city. I've worked at the boat for a long time as a cook and sous chef, teacher at Signature School, teacher at University of Evansville. I've, I've seen a lot of different sides of this place. And, <laughs> in, a, in a good way. In a great, and again, a great way. There's a reason I'm still here. I love this city. What was like, the first weird thing you noticed? First weird thing I noticed. Well, you all call yourself the River City as if you're the first people that have ever said that. <laughs> It's, it's about the only thing we got going on. I, I It's my favorite. Every, I've lived in a lot of cities on the river. There's like the river city. It's like, oh, I, I, I guess every city that's been on a river is a river city. To be fair, I mean, that's pretty much how we had to identify for a long time because there was nothing else about Evansville that stuck out. Well, I mean, there was um, like, I think a lot of World War II, mm-hmm. like history, spe- specifically in this place. It's where they made all the LSTs and machine gun bullets. And yeah. I think this place is like a, a war place. Like, I knew about this place before I started living here from its like weird WW2 history and then other related things to that. Which is interesting because as a native, because I am from Evansville. That was never a thing that, like, I think, I don't really think we put a lot of emphasis on it. Like, we knew, like, oh, yeah, you know, during World War II, there was a, you know, big Evansville push for, you know, that. But I don't ever think that that was something that, like, my family identified hmm. by. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I've learned a lot more about it since I've lived here. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, like, uh, what's that guy's name? That Evansville historian teaches at U of E. He's also a political cartoonist. That sounds like an interesting interesting fellow that we should probably interview at some it point. It does. Uh, Mc, McLeod. <laughs> wow, let me write that down. He wrote the book on Evansville World War II history. It's called Evansville and World War II. <laughs> Concise. I like yeah. it. He is. He, he's also like a really well-known political cartoonist. Interesting. Um, what else did he do? Uh, he did a full like five-hour-long documentary on Evansville's history in World War II. He's a cool guy. But I, I mean, I had his kids at Signature, so got to know mm-hmm. him and, and learned a ton just from being around him. Mm-hmm. He's a wa- walking encyclopedia of this, <laughs> of this city. And he's also not from here. Interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I wonder how important that, actually, I hang out with a lot of people that aren't from here that all get the same like pull to living in this area. 
that might be one of the next chapters of Evans and Monsters, honestly. <laughs> There's some sort of entity keeping us here. When I was in high school, there was a long-running joke among the people that I went to high school with that it kind of kept going after high school, too, of Evansville is a place that it's a black hole. Once it sucks you in, you never get out. Or you end up coming back, as is the case with my parents. Yeah, you leave, you have some fun in a different city or state, and then you come back to settle down. I wonder if that's pretty common, though, with like uh, small rural towns. Probably, Which yeah. I guess we aren't a small rural town anymore. We're like the third largest city yeah. in the state, I think. Yeah. See, I've always thought of this as being a bigger city. Um, I think it's just because of all the things you can do. Like, any weekend, you can go see a play or a musical. Yeah, I did not think that Evansville was really a big city until I started dating somebody that lived in a town of 800 people. Mm. Now I will never take it for granted again. (laughs) (laughs) I think what usually throws me is that you you can drive, like, 20, 30 minutes and nothing but corn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it is, like... It is confusing a little bit whenever you go to, say, Chicago or even Indianapolis and you drive for 20 minutes. You're still in the city. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not getting out of it. But Evansville, yeah, you can drive for 20 minutes and be on the other side of the city. And then another 20 minutes, you're way out yeah. nowhere. Which was fun learning to drive because uh, I think one time we went to we were trying to head to North Posey. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we see uh, you're now entering Illinois. It's like, I uh, I think we missed a turn somewhere, folks. (laughs) All right. So, Kyle, we've mentioned your book a couple times, but we haven't actually said the title of it. It is Evansville Monsters, Weird Tales of Goblins, Ghoulies, and Ghosts. So when did you write this? Um, This book came out in 2019. I'd been working on it for a while. It was partially funded by the Indiana Arts Commission. Um, I received a grant from them to write these stories. Um, But I'd been working on the artwork that accompanies the cover and the inside illustrations for two and a half years. Okay. The artwork is actually what first pulled me to it because I read this book way before I reached out to you for this interview. When it first came out, I think because I saw it on the new shelf at Central here when I was working here and was like, oh, that's such a cool cover. I want to read it. The main inspiration for this, uh, so I do something called um, linocut relief printmaking, um, something a lot of people did. Like in middle school, you probably still have a scar on your finger from, you know, the little V gouge that you stab into like the eraser material (laughs) and it slips and it just took a chunk out. Mm -hmm. I advise people to not put their hand in front of a knife. But uh, so I, I, I got my Master of Fine Arts in studio art with an emphasis of printmaking. So that's the thing I like to do is traditional art making to tell mainly to tell stories, like any sort of narration. So writing a book made a lot of sense for me um, to kind of facilitate the storytelling that was in the artwork. And so this first started as just a series of monster posters, very much influenced by 1950s and 60s Hollywood, like horror film posters um and just horror films in general just a great era of horror films yeah yes and uh so i just kind of wanted i was like what if we had that for evansville um i was like i'm here long enough i can start telling stories that people tell me so i started incorporating things that i had read like the green clawed beast is one of my favorite stories do you guys know the green clawed beast i have heard of him but i have only heard like one story about him oh i wonder if it lines up with mine the one i heard the one that I had read was from, I want to say, like the 70s or something like that. Yeah, 60s or 70s, but a woman was out swimming in the Ohio River with her children, and then she felt something brush up against her leg and sent her kids swimming back up to the shore, and then she was yanked under the water and was screaming out for help, and then she eventually kicked her way free, and then the cop on duty 
like that helped her to safety said that the marks on her legs were in the were were colored green hmm. and looked like claw marks and that was the start of the green clawed beast yeah that is about the story that i've heard which also i never i'm <laughs> not very superstitious i lied i'm totally mm. superstitious <laughs> uh, <laughs> when i read that story my first reaction was actually just like well it's the uh, river probably <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the first time I've heard that story, and that was my first thought. Is like, yeah, I could totally see something mutating or growing in there. Yeah. You know, we're, da- we're downriver from a lot of interesting things. Yeah. Well, there's um. Well, I mean, like, there's there's a police report on that too. Like, you can go read the actual police report. I think her mm. children still live in the area. Very cool. Yeah. So I heard that story, and I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of me just telling the stories directly, I want to interpret them in my own way. Sure, and then we have the green light or the gray lady. Excuse me. Mm. We have the gray lady from Willard Library that you also have a story about as well. Yes. Um, so a lot of these are inspired by movies that I really like. Um, I'm, a bit, I'm a big fan of found footage horror, mm-hmm. even though I know it's inherently terrible. Like it's the same plot every <laughs> single time, but I love it so. Uh, that was my found footage horror style one I wanted to do, and I, just thinking it's like. The Grey Lady is notoriously a very chill ghost from everything I've read. Yeah. I mean, there's never, it's nothing more than, oh, I can smell some perfume. Mm -hmm. Or they left a light on. Mm -hmm. That's what I've heard a lot of. And I was like, no, no, I want to go full cult with this. (laughs) Because I was, have you you watched the cameras? Mm -mm. Willard Library, love you, Willard Library, but Willard Library has a 24 7 camera streaming site where you can just watch all the locations of Willard, freeze frame it, circle what you think is a ghost goes on the wall of fame. Okay. I wonder how many embarrassing moments have been caught in on the, <laughs> have been caught on those cameras. <laughs> oh, I, like I did a book reading there one time and I was like, I wonder if someone like circled a ghost while I was doing, reading my story of that there. Cause that'd be really fun. I never actually double checked that. Probably should have, but yeah, no, if you haven't checked those cams out, oh. I think every library should have cams trying to catch ghosts. So I personally, I don't really believe in ghosts, but they believe in me. And I feel like if I can see that picture of them, <laughs> it'd be do, good for me. I have made jokes that there has been a ghost at every library I've worked at. I've worked at two libraries, but I still make jokes at every one. Ooh, what's the ghost here? There is no real name for it. it. Just anything that goes wrong, it's the ghost's fault. Oh. At University of Evansville, the ceramics building um, is primarily where I am because I teach in the printmaking jewelry studio. Uh, they call it Wilma is the ghost there that causes all the problems. And it's really just, oh, a kiln firing went poorly. Must have been Wilma. Yeah, that's the same idea. (laughs) That book got shelved wrong. Must be the ghost. But um, she doesn't like our shelving system. But I've heard I've heard since a lot about the Gray Lady. Um, uh, Since I've written this book, and you know, whenever I sell it, I sell it in person. Uh, I don't really sell it. I sell it digitally. uh, But for the most part, I'm selling in person. Everyone who wants to talk, everyone has a story to tell me of some amazing ghost story in town or things they thought I got wrong. Which again, not it's not nonfiction. (laughs) Um, And it's just incredible to hear. Like I was selling this book to somebody, and they're like, "Oh, have you done one about the courthouse ghost?" I'm like, what's that? I've not heard of that one either. Well, that's my next thing to start researching into because there's there's a ghost story in every corner of this city, <laughs> it seems. So, and again, talking about how weird this place is, I've lived in a bunch of places. I haven't heard about ghosts in almost every old building here, like compared to anywhere else I've lived. 
This actually reminded me of a time I went to get my hair done at a salon. And while I'm talking to the woman that's doing my hair, she just casually drops in the conversation that she's part of a ghost hunting group. That was our whole conversation (laughs) afterwards. But I don't know if that's a normal thing. If you go to another city, (laughs) is your hairdresser going to tell you she hunts ghosts? I wish. (laughs) I mean, can we get a EVPL funded ghost hunting team do you think Lori? i would absolutely join it yes i'll be the one oh god i didn't watch the x files i'll be the one that's like i want to believe i don't but i want to so badly <laughs> all right you're david Duchovny. i'm uh oh I, oh i'm i'm blanking on her name i'm scully <laughs> whatever her actress's name is but one of my friends is in a ghost hunting group uh, in like northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it. And every time he posts something, I'm like, man, there really would be a good basis for a short story. It's like, what happens if they actually come across a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Probably wouldn't be ideal. I think it's Ghost Adventures, the TV show, where one of the guys or multiples of the guys in the ghost hunting group they go out and they purposefully antagonize any ghosts and then as soon as something happens they run screaming from the room oh <laughs> that, that would be me yeah <laughs> uh, i actually on one of our last episodes we're talking about video games there's a ghost hunting video game out there that's really popular but uh me and three of my friends were playing and i was the guy that was just standing by the door being like all right you guys you guys go in there and check it out <laughs> there's a spooky basement go make sure it's not down there and then, of course, in that game, the ghost can, like, lock doors behind you. And it, it locks the front door behind me and pops up in front of me. And all my friends are gone. And I was like, oh, I'm done. And I walked away. I, I, I love horror books, horror movies. But I'm, like, super gullible. And the idea of a horror video game, no. No, thanks. I, like, I, I won't even watch a Let's Play of that. Nope, not going to interact with that at all. And, like, now they're doing, like, VR horror. Yeah. Like, Resident Evil 4 Discovery made on VR. I'm like, No. No, I still remember having like issues with the Zelda Ocarina of Time as a kid, that hand that drops down from the ceiling. Yeah, Yeah. still scares me to this day. Yeah, the wall master, I think is what it's called. (laughs) Yeah, actually, whenever uh, something, some noise at home, I have three dogs and I'm usually like, go check it out, pups. (laughs) Report back to me. Uh, when I was writing um, The Maniac of Mesca Park Zoo, when I was writing this one, it was like a windy day, and I was home alone, and just the tre- trees kept scratching the side of my mm. house. I kept hearing things all over my house I've never heard before. It scared me so <laughs> it sc- it, like I was frightened that whole time. Yeah, when you get that, in that mindset. I really like that story. It's just a, it's a really long one that I can't read mm-hmm. publicly because it just it would wreck my throat. Yeah. So yeah, what you said was interest, uh, interesting. So that the book kind of sprang up from the art that you're doing beforehand. Yes. So I made all the art pieces that illustrate each one before I wrote a book. And yeah, it, it's stemmed from wanting to have movie posters for things about Evansville. And mm-hmm. then I was like, wait, there's actual. So the way I constructed them, it made more sense that I could flesh all that sort of stuff out. Just writing short stories to accompany each one made sense to me. And uh, I've written stuff before. My, my minor in college was creative writing. Um, mm-hmm. I had a book that came up before this in 2016 called Versus the Multiverse. So I had experience writing, and it just made sense for me to, to write the story that goes with these. Yeah. Is that, uh, pretty, is that how you normally get your inspiration? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
my first book, I wrote the story first and then okay. I illustrated it because I didn't have access to the materials or anything to be able to uh, do the illustrations for it. So, but I did have the ability to write it. So I wrote it first. And then on this one, I did the art first, wrote it later. Um, and both of them are very valid ways of approaching it, I found out. Um, I don't have a preferred way. I'm actually working on Emzel Monsters 2 and I'm still Ooh. in that little limbo of do I want to just do all the art first and then write or do I want to do art and then write art and then write mm-hmm. kind of like that mm-hmm. um and i haven't really decided yet uh I, it's probably it's one of the things honestly crippling me from getting started on it <laughs> yeah because i'm like well i don't want to screw this up you're gonna do great i believe it. You know, yes I and i'm you. looking forward to reading it because i really did enjoy your book i'm expanding it out um to being the tri-state area so there's gonna be a newberg one and a new harmony one a henderson one do you know newberg like surrendered in the civil war to fake cannons? Yeah, there was like nothing going on. They were just like, "All right, you can have." It's like it's like they want me to write a Scooby Doo style <laughs> <laughs> horror movie about that. It was Old Man Jenkins all along. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> a land developer with a shady deal. <laughs> I'm going to find out how like not creative I actually am because, yeah, it's just like, man, these cities really just, they wrote it for you. And you can just find, <laughs> kind of fill in, the, in the, fill in the blanks. Well, the audience can't see, obviously, the art on your book, but I'm looking at it and I'm wondering, I do definitely see a lot of the 50s Hollywood-style inspiration. But I also have to ask, are you a fan of Junji Ito? Um, I, I know, all, I know, I know quite a bit about Junji Ito. Um, mm-hmm. I've never read any Junji Ito comics, so like manga. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of my students love drawing those weird deformed faces. <laughs> and, uh, one of my big, um, inspirations, uh, around this time was, um, Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, he's a writer. He did, um, Annihilation, uh, the Southern Reach trilogy born, uh, but he uses nature and horror in a very interesting combination Mm -hmm. and uh, so I use them for a lot of inspiration in this as well yeah there's definitely some that I can see certain elements of obviously I haven't had like a lot of time to question you but it does look like there's a lot of influence of folk horror as well Yes, I well, I mean, I hear so many different things. And then also a lot of more art history inspired. I mean, God, I got it. I have, a, I have an MFA in art. I have to pull up art history. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these will be um, Caravaggio compositions or Gustave Dory compositions. I love Gustave Dory was a 1800s French printmaker and illustrator. Basically like any image you've ever seen of the Bible or Dante's Inferno, he did it. Okay. Um, and his compositions were amazing. So I would pull those, combine them together with other things, take local information and then kind of just chew on it for a while and then out comes the tree witch of Wesselman Woods or whatever. <laughs> um, that was actually the first one I did in this whole thing. I do quite like that one. Thank you. And like all these stories in one way or the other are like very autobiographical. Yeah, the Tree Witch of Wesselman's Woods, that art uh, makes me think of the original Wicker Man. Oh, I watched that the other day. It's oh, really such good. such a great movie. I, just, I think I might enjoy the new one more. The new one has a lot more Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is, folks. We're on the Nicolas Cage train. This time it wasn't me. Uh, I don't know. You guys may have worked something out before. Is this right. a drawing of Nicholas Cage? No, no, no. That is, um, I did a face morph thing to Robert Downey Jr. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey, you find inspiration where you can take it. Taylor oh, Swift as yeah. the other. Taylor Swift's the other head of the dog. I like it, but not too much like it because I don't have the copyright. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to change it. Was it like ninety five percent? So just uh, kind of looks like mm, it. I, I can see it. it. Also, could be Lin Manuel. So ooh, yeah. 
I could see a little Natalie Portman as well. Mm. But yeah, I just was like, I typed in. I remember when I was like just doing sketches for that. I was like, famous person hair bun, and that was it. And, <laughs> and, and that's where the inspiration came from. Love it. Well, there's, I mean, there's so many things going on in each individual one. That, yeah. Yeah, you got to reduce them down to their base, bare yeah, essentials sometimes. Have, yeah, you have a lot of detail in your work. Thank I you. like that. They're relatively big. They're the lino prints, they're, they're 16 by 20 inches. Does this help for the people at home? Yes. He is measuring it with his hands currently, and it is very clarifying. It is about 16 by 20 inches right there. Do we want, like, a really odd unit, too? It's like it's like half of a wiener dog by, you know, a, a corgi. It's like a coffee table book size, maybe. It's like, I don't know, 16 by 20. I, I think actual measurements are good. I have no other people way. People have rulers. It's like a real common printing size, so I don't Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm like looking around here and I'm like, it's, there's nothing. There's nothing in here. It's like the back of that swivel chair. Ah. Does that help the people at home as yes. well? Excellent. Look, look at your closest swivel chair. Yeah. Does it have a back on it? There's your size. Or it's like one and a half 3D printers. That should help. <laughs> so compare this to your 3D printer at home. Mm-hmm. One and a half times that size. All right, Will, would you like to read us one of your short stories? Yes. Um, so this one is called Unsinkable Evil. It is about Evansville's greatest monster, and that is potholes. Before Kyle reads the story, there is going to be some language that is a little bit more adult-oriented, so if swear words are something that you don't want to hear, maybe skip over this section of the podcast. Unsinkable Evil. I remember the future. It was once a glorious thing. Flying cars would zip through the sky, and Marty McFly would teach me how to hoverboard over water. That memory was promised to me as a child. A vision scrawled on pages that would ensure that no one would go hungry, and tattoos could be done painlessly in 25 seconds. It is odd, I should say, that I live in the future of that child. 2020 seems like something that would scroll across the bottom of a dystopian movie so frightening that robots would crush skulls underfoot to the tune of da dum dum But here I am walking at the intersection of Walnut and Garvin, carrying the same sugary drink from 25 years ago and a mountain of unrealized potential. Personally, I hate June in Evansville. When we're not in a thunderstorm warning, the heat index is pushing 100. A lot of the times, like today, it is both. Humidity creeps down my lower back, eventually residing in a location my friends and I lovingly refer to as swamp ass. But you soldier on and endure, because driving two blocks for a ski just feels reckless. The sidewalk claps beneath my feet as I wait at the stoplight. On Walnut, a car can appear out of nowhere, causing you to run for your life. So I wait. I wait for that red hand to turn in the green walking man that I am. But as it does and I step onto the street, something odd happens. In the crosswalk, I stop. A blue truck pulls from behind me and into my personal space. We both awkwardly dance to see who is avoiding who. I decide to stop and let him by. Be the bigger man, regardless of who has the right of way. That's when he decides to make it his personal mission to educate the world of their ineptitude. I have the light, buddy. I have a light, asshole. The gray-haired man screams from the rolled-down window of his truck. What the hell is wrong with you? I shout, perplexed at the simplicity of selective vision. If you have the light, that means I have a light. That's how crosswalks work. And with an entitled grin, he replies, No, you don't, buddy. And shakes his head before speeding off to wait at another stoplight. I stand there, completely perplexed at people. This was not the future I remember. 
As I start to walk, I feel the ground crumble. It shakes and I try to maintain my balance as the pavement starts to give way underfoot. Before I can react, terra firma opens wide and I fall. I glance down, trying to grab a hold of anything as brilliant light streams forth from all around me. Like the sun itself was being eaten below my feet. And like the aftermath of a hot wing challenge, it too spews a beam of electric light straight into the heavens. I fall deep down, splashing through waves of rainbiotic chaos. It pulls me deeper as I reach up, grasping that last bit of the sun, hoping to save it for later. The whirlpool beneath the road sends me spiraling through the endless void of outdated sewer systems. I shudder to open my eyes in such muck, but when I do, I am greeted by a brilliant orchestra of light. The heavens of the cosmos open their gates all around me as I traverse through the Milky Way in a wormhole of enlightenment. I zip by Mars, waving to Olympus Mons. The rings of Saturn reach out to give me a high five. Uranus does its thing. Time tears open through the void as the furthest reaches of my memory barf onto the night sky as eloquently as Van Gogh with a brush. My first fish, Terrence, being eaten by my first cat, Holden Pawfield. My first kiss with Tamara Peppercorn before my first heartbreak. They stretch and creak through my mind as I try to project something without such sorrow. There I sit, 11 years old, dreaming of a better future in front of my Aunt Chrissy's TV, losing terribly in Street Fighter 2. Before my parents divorced, but after my best friend Max died, the tears rained down, dotting the ether with new stars, each shining more brilliant than the last. At the end of Memory Road, I can see my final destination, black beyond my wildest imagination. It stretches out in the furthest reaches of reality. It pulls me in. My bones stretch as I pass beyond its event horizon. And like before, I reach out for one last bit of light before the darkness swallows me whole. It dumps me back in the whirlpool. I thrash about gasping for air before eventually making it to the rocky crag that will suffice as a shore. The tempest subsides as I am able to free myself from its wrath. My hand meets pavement as I pull myself out. Drenched and exhausted, I roll onto the surface like a beached whale. Or honestly, anytime I try to get out of a pool without a ladder, honk! A car horn blares at me. I look up, back into the sky. Vehicles stop all around as I lay back on the pavement that had once betrayed me. Catching my breath, I roll over to the sidewalk before riding myself, sitting on the curb. What the hell was that all about? I yell, looking at the person-sized sinkhole from which I just came. Ah, damn it. I lost my soda. The end. (laughs) Thank you. That was a very amusing story, I I won't lie. I went along for the ride on that one. That was great. That one, that that and that actually happened to me. Not the um the the, sinkhole part. Not the sinkhole part. <laughs> but it was it was right in front of the courthouse on on, on Martin Luther and Maine. I, I had a cross light crosswalk to go walk through and a guy turning right just went right up into me, like slowly pushing me with this truck and I I, I smacked my hand on the top of his like his uh, his hood and he goes what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's, you don't have the light. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's how this works. And uh, he, and then he called me buddy, and that stuck in my head so much. Was him calling me buddy? Not your buddy, pal. Yeah, I felt very much like that. While you were reading this, I had to catch on my phone because I do remember there was a newspaper article came out yesterday. Evansville is atop another rankings list. This time, it's about our driving. Apparently, Evansville, Indiana has some of the most aggressive drivers in the country. I can believe it. Uh, my wife definitely brings up the average. She's an angry, angry little woman when driving. Yeah, it's apparently 
more than one fifth higher than the state average of aggressiveness in Evansville. And like, everyone looks so mad when they're driving around. Here. It's. Just, I mean, we we're also. We're, are we number one still with stoplights? I don't know. Could, Driving on 41 the other day, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know about actually. We're, we're close to the top in the amount of stoplights per square mile. I'll say I live uh, really close to my job, so I don't really notice it that yeah. much. Um, but I, I walk a lot. And I just, at stoplights, I'll, I'll just stare at the people driving. And everyone looks so mad. <laughs> like... <laughs> To be driving, to be alive, maybe to still be in Evansville. I don't know. They haven't fully appreciated it yet. But it is. They just look so upset. And that is to say, I feel like I've I've said some potentially disparaging things about Evansville. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. It is just an incredibly weird place. It is. Yeah. And I will say that even having lived in Evansville my entire life, the east side is dangerous. Like driving on the east side, people will try and just run you off the road for no reason. Really? No, not really. But <laughs> it's, it's no hyperbole. I mean, no, I mean, like, so I don't mean to brag. I don't mean to brag. This might be a little humble brag. I haven't driven on the Lloyd in like over a year. So I don't remember what it was like in the before time, the long, long ago of when I would have to commute from the west side to Tropicana every day and go mm-hmm. work there. I could believe that and I, the last time I almost got in an accident was I was going to Dick Blick. So that this is that's yeah, a, long that's a while ago. That's, this has very, <laughs> been very closed. Um, I just was going through a yellow. You know, like how you normally go through a yellow? Someone's like, nah, and just turned into me. And I had to, like, swerve around out of the way. He almost hit me. And then he got out of his car and started cussing at me. And I'm like, I'm not a very defensive driver. I'm not a very aggressive driver driver not really anything i just drive yeah seems like everyone around here just thinks i'm very bad at it <laughs> everyone thinks everyone else is the worst driver ever and they're the best oh yeah that's yes. a good way of phrasing that's it. the mentality of yes our driving that's why i just drive like a little 80 year old lady in the right hand lane and let people around me do whatever they're doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i give i give myself a good solid 10 extra minutes because i'm just like if if I'm in a rush or something, it's that's just increasing the chances of mm-hmm. something happening. So yeah, yeah just take it slow. I'd Relax. rather be late than never end up going to where <laughs> I'm trying to get to. I and I used to take the bus, so I basically had to show up everywhere an hour early, mm-hmm. and I kind of just got used to that. Actually, a large per- portion of my first book was written um, at this library because oh. I would have to take the bus to get to Tropicana, and I'd be super early, so I would hang out here, or my wife and I shared a car, so. I would hang out here until she got off work, and I would write using the computers here, saving it to my cloud. So, Library. Writing <laughs> books through other people. <laughs> and writing a lot of job applications as well. Oh, um, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I liked my job, but it started as a dishwasher slash cook in my first job at Tropicana, bat, now Bally's, at Sportsbook. You guys remember Sportsbook? Bare, barely. <sighs> Best food in Evansville. I'll fight anybody on that. <laughs> It was so good, no one could eat it, and it had to close. <laughs> Obviously. I loved I think about food from that place all the time. And yeah, it closed. Next place I went to, Max Nermas, it, it eventually closed. But it became a new thing. That yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, we, we, we used to hit up Max Nermas once a week, it was, and we would always be there until like 1230 in the morning, because they were open really late. Yes. Well, if you ever ate between 2000... 14 to 2016, there's a good chance I cooked your midnight burger. 
weird, weird world. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> I've had one of your burgers. It was delectable. Well, speaking Thank of you. weird world, I had thought of you. Okay, so this sounds really creepy. Let mm. me full context. Um, <laughs> so during like the Christmas time, uh, one of my coworkers and I went to a bar down in Haney's Corner to do trivia night. And you and your wife were there. Ooh. I didn't know you at the time. I know of your wife. Like, I would know her in passing, but we don't really talk mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but I saw some of your art there, and I saw one, your Boris Karloff's Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. And that was what got my attention, honestly, first. Um, and then it made I made a connection a couple weeks later. I was like, oh, wait, that art is, like, the same as this book I'm shelving right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I have a lot of artwork there. They've been very nice to me. Let me hang up stuff there. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially since uh, for the entire month of October, I did one Lino print a day mm-hmm. of a monster from Halloween. It was my 30 monsters of Halloween. It was something that I was totally into in day 15. But got to say, day 25, I wasn't as into it. It was doing one art piece a day is a lot, especially whenever it comes to having to design, carve, print, edit, and then post. Because the whole point of it was to, to post it on Instagram to doesn't happen in social media, you know. Does it yeah. actually exist? And um, huh. it was hard just picking music for every one of those reels. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a horror movie a day mm. in Halloween or in October last year, and that was difficult. I can't imagine actually after putting the work in, just sitting back and passively watching a film every day was difficult. Well, I made it three movies, and I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's too much. <laughs> I, I, and I think we watched at least one or two horror movies a day through all of that as well. Um, yeah, no, it's like it's my favorite time of the year. Weather, yeah. Weather's nice. Everybody's spooky. Love mm-hmm. it. Definitely. Is the rest of the family as big a fan as you are? No. They might lo- like my brother. My brother likes horror a lot more, but he's like not as near as gullible as I am. Mm-hmm. So he can just appreciate them for being like a good movie or a good book. And me, I'm just like any jump scare, I'm out. Like, <laughs> but I love like. The Haunting of Hill House. Uh-huh. That was an, I'm talking about the show. It was an incredible show. And my wife hated it so much because <laughs> I had so many nightmares because of the show. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got to watch the next episode. I love it. And then all of a sudden I'm waking up in the middle of the night so that way she can watch to make sure. <laughs> so I'm going to the bathroom or something. So I'm like, I don't. <laughs> Pet neck ladies out there somewhere. Um, Rest of my family, not as much into horror. I guess my brother is, but my wife, I don't think she's into horror. I think she just is a supportive person. Aww, yeah, That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I feel you on the being gullible horror. Like, if I watch uh, any kind of horror movie, I'm just like, every single mirror, every single reflection, like, something's going to be behind me. Yeah. Uh, for like the next week or so, <laughs> I'm on edge. I think it's because I've just... It was very overactive imagination when I was a kid. So all that care, like, I don't know about you, but like, I was by myself a lot. Uh, my brother growing up with him, he hated me. So I was always by myself. So I took my action figures and I would just like create stories all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that I'm an adult and the world is still very scary, <laughs> it all just always gets me. I'm still doing those little action figure stories, except for they're just in my head or sometimes in a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do that a lot as well. I have... Mm-hmm like five different stories going in my head at any given time. They're never written down or told to anybody, but it's like people that I work with have starring roles that they don't even know about. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) 
any of my coworkers that are listening to this right now are very paranoid, I'm sure. <laughs> they they should know that it is about them specifically. Whoever you are listening to this right now, you are the star. Yes. You're interesting enough. It's a flattery, okay? You're interesting enough to be the star of Lori's telenovela in her head. <laughs> telenovela is not far from the truth either. It's always ridiculous things. There's a few clones. You know, a few people got amnesia. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets the amnesia at some point or another, right? I grew up watching Days of Our Lives. So. Yeah. And a lot of Spanish telenovelas because I was in Southern California. I didn't speak Spanish, but I watched them. I mean, you don't really need to know the language, though. No. Just at least I don't think so. I didn't know the language. <laughs> 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 I, I just watched them. Yeah, for the longest time, uh, I actually was writing down uh, story ideas and book ideas I would have whenever I had a dream that was really vivid or something like that. And uh, I had, like, a list of, like, five or six of them, and I was reading through all of them, like, oh, um, these are pretty similar. It's always, like, starts with someone dying, uh, and then something horrible happens again, and then one happy thing, and then more horrible stuff. (laughs) And I was like, I have a formula for some reason. Yeah. Well, I will say, um, someone writing things down is like such an important aspect of creativity Mm -hmm. that I don't think anybody, I get a lot of like my students, you know, teaching high school and college. They're like, how do you come up with ideas? And I'm like, I have no clue. I just write them down. (laughs) I, they, whatever pops up, I write it down. It's like, I have an Excel spreadsheet. I'm not an organized person. That should be an important note. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a very organized person, but I have to be with my ideas because there's too many and they're too gross. So, like, I have ideas for just illustrations. That's mm-hmm. one Excel page. And then each Excel line will tell me whether I have the idea drawn, carved, printed, also what the story idea is, what size I want it. But I have that for that, portraits. I just do a ton of portraits like that Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And then I have them for stories that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And then each one also links to the, the, the appropriate Google Word doc where they actually have the story written out. I, I think you might be more organized than you uh, believe yourself to be. Oh man, you should you should see, you should see my house. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, I I washed my clothes this week and they're still in a pile in the corner of the room. I've not folded them. They won't be foiled. Probably won't be folded. I think folding clothes was a thing. That's just made up. All right, that's not a thing people do. It's made up organization. Yeah. I was ironing. Yeah, right. I was just going to say, I don't know if I've ever met a single artist that's really organized. Oh, this is the one thing I'm really organized. I think it's just because I have a MacBook. (laughs) You know, you're like, you got it. You have, I mean, you spent that much money on it. Might as well. Yeah. Might as well organize. And it like feels good to just make more, like add more to the lists. But then I also look at it and go, what am I doing? I'm not going to get all these done. (laughs) I do get the list thing. I love Mm. making lists. I like to make lists and then cross things off of them to the point that I have started putting at the top of my lists make to-do list. So as soon as I finish making my list, I can immediately cross something off of it. Oh, nice. (laughs) I had to stop doing calendars because I couldn't get rid of the page, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I I do little to-do lists on my desk at work. It's a little uh, post-it note. So I'll just update that. So I can just, when when I throw that away, I can relax, you know? Or I can work on artwork or whatever. And uh, yeah, I just stopped doing a calendar because I couldn't just rip out that day and throw it away. It was all my whole month was booked on there and I had to actually like Mm. treat it well. So I just stopped using them and guess a lot of the time. (laughs) I'm also not an organized person. So that system sounds very familiar. (laughs) But the post-it, I really like the post-it. It makes, during the summer, um, spoiler rub, being a teacher, it's a lot better than 
people make it out to be, you get whole summers off. Without the post-it note system, I don't think I would exist. Yeah. <laughs> Without the post-it note system in my Excel spreadsheet, I would not exist. I actually have a friend who uh, digitized the post-it format for himself. So nice. it, yeah, he has, uh, oh, I can't remember the program, but he basically just draws boxes that are post-it notes and throws it up hmm. on a board in, in a digital space, and that's how it works. Nice. Um, oh, there is something like that. Uh, it's a Google Doc. It's a, it's a Google Drive type thing. But it's, po- it's a post-it board that you can share with everybody else. Ooh. It's, uh, we, I used it at a training. It was awesome. It's called Jamboard. Jamboard's the best thing in the Sounds world for, for idea creation. Because mm-hmm. you can share it with other people. You can put links onto the post-its that you put up on your Jamboard. We can use that for organizing the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> well, we had it. Well, I did a online training. And normally we do these things in person for like IB. Um, and we used to just put post-it notes on a big piece of paper. And they're like, well, we can just do that digitally now. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Technology is so advanced. It's it's unnecessary. Like so much work went into making just a thing where you could put post-it notes on a community board. Like, but think of all the trees that we're saving. Yeah, I mean, I make art and physical media. I don't care about trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a book in my hand that was made from at least a third of one. So I'm. <laughs> I can't concern myself with the environment and ghosts. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much for one man. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So what's the closer again? Uh, oh, can I mention where these yeah. are? Yeah, I was going to say. Um, Go for it. So we've mentioned, we talked about your book that you read. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about today? Yes. Um, yeah. Evansville Monsters, Weird Tales of Goblins, Ghoulies, and Ghosts. Uh, you can find it at any fine re- retailer that sells books. Um you can find it at Blue Stocking Social, which is on Weinbach next to University of Evansville. You can get it at Corkscrew Curio, which is in Henderson, um, the New Harmony Gallery of Contemporary Arts in New Harmony. Where else can you get that? Amazon. Um, you said Barnes & Noble earlier, too, didn't you? Barnes & Noble, yes. Barnes & Noble. So anywhere you can go, you can probably just ask for this book and someone will hand it to you. You can also find it at the library. Yes, we have... Multiple copies throughout our branches. Yeah, I think we have a copy per branch at this moment. That's so fun. The first thing I did when I got this book published is I went to like libraries and I put them like like next to like Stephen King or I just put it <laughs> on the shelf and like took a picture and it just felt super cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, congratulations. Yes, yeah. congrats. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a blast. Yes. Uh, if any listeners have any ideas or suggestions for future episodes you can or, or questions regarding uh, Kyle, uh, well, you can always just uh, email us at podcast.evpl.org. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. Thanks. Bye, everybody. <laughs>